Hey everyone, I'm Erin Darnell. And I'm Danae Acker, and you're listening to iTalks. It's the podcast with illuminating conversations that empower the learners we serve. For today's episode, we invite you to join us in our conversation with a group of educators about their journey to become Bold Leadership Consulting Group. Welcome, gentlemen. So we understand that we are not with the entire consulting group, and it's just a few of you. Will each of you please introduce yourselves to our listeners? My name is Pharrell C. Thomas Sr. There's another one out there, but (laughs) the second. But uh, I am the principal of Waterloo Elementary School in Lawrence 55 in Waterloo, South Carolina. My name is Damon Qualls, and I am uh, at Montevue Elementary in Greenville and I'm excited to be here today. Great afternoon. My name is Christopher McCants. I am the principal at Florence Chapel Middle School. Good afternoon. My name is Wallace Cobbs. I am the principal of Welcome Elementary in Greenville, South Carolina. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Collington, the principal at Berea Middle School in Greenville County School District. Good afternoon. My name is Leonard Galloway, the principal at Glenview Middle School. Good afternoon. My name is Edgar Henson. I am an assistant principal at Malden Middle School. Will you guys tell us a little bit about Bold Leadership and how it began? Yeah, so uh, last school year, of course, when uh, our world changed as educators, we as a group of leaders found solace and a level of comfort just coming together and having organic conversations about some of the challenges we were facing leading during COVID. It was a very interesting time. And so we had, you know, a random dinner engagement that was celebrating one of our other bold brothers and his promotion. And from that evening, there has not been a day to go by that we have not been in constant communication, uh, whether it's email, whether it's um, on social media, uh, just encouraging one another, sharing positive affirmations to help us lead during what has been such a tumultuous school year. Awesome. So you guys found solace in one another, um, and that's just kind of how Bolt came about. Yeah, actually, one morning on Marco Polo, uh, we were... (laughs) just conversating and someone had the idea, what if you brought your experiences from your school and someone else chimed in and was like, well, yeah, and I have this experience. And we started looking at our areas of specialty and we came together and we, we talked about it and it kind of went dormant for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Dr. Grant, he brought it back up and we all got together one day and we began to meet and really start putting pen and ideas to paper mm-hmm. and really uh, took that vision and that thought and formulate a bowl. That's awesome. Can I, can I hand Yes, it? sir. And so, so <clears throat> Mr. McKent's, myself, and Mr. Galloway, we're the only ones that are not in Greenwood County. And mm-hmm. so that what happened with us, I had a connection to Mr. Colleton where we've been friends for a long time and have conversations in the mornings, going to work. We worked in, a, in the same district. And Mr. McKent's and I have known each other for some personal things. And so we were kind of invited into that mix because, you know, some of the guys like, well, I know this guy or I don't know this guy, and he, and he could probably contribute to that. And so, you know, we, we felt honored to just come into this group. And I, it was it was a great thing for me. This is my first year as a principal, but I had been a leader, and I'd never seen or had the ability to bounce ideas off of other guys that looked like me that mm-hmm. were in leadership because – I mean, I'm the only guy in my school other than my custodian. Wow. So, you know, yeah. it was it was great. It was a really good, I mean, I just the energy I get from these guys and the ideas and the things 
that that they pour into me and then I get to share it's been it's just been bountiful for me. And I think it was important for us to not make it a district thing, but mm-hmm. to to talk to other brothers from other districts and seeing the similarities that we have. You know, just because we're in one district, you know, we can pull from somebody else who works right. in another district and kind of take what they're they're experiencing and, and bring it back to our school and talk to some of our other you know, motivate our teachers and, and other educators. So it was important that it wasn't just a one district thing, but to, to spread out and talk to others in other districts. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and I would also just like to speak to the diversity within, within the group. You know, each one of us brings something different. Each one of us leads at a different kind of school. That's one of the things that, you know, drew me to the group. You know, you have guys at high school, elementary school, middle school. You have guys in rural schools with high Hispanic populations. You have some with high SES, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it was been great for me as a first year principal to bounce ideas off of each other. I know we're going to get into this a little bit later in the podcast, but you know, just yesterday we were talking about how do we interview teachers because you mm-hmm. know none of us are finished products, right? So we're still honing our craft. So that's one of the things as a growing administrator that I feel this group really, really um, supports each other with. And it's a great example of iron, iron sharpening iron. Yeah, um, and that's what I love about this this group as well the name of your group itself is Bold Leadership. So why bold and what does that truly mean to you all? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, bold, of course, stands for building organizational leadership development. And as we previously mentioned, you know, this is a truly a safe space where we can put the titles to the side and come together as men, several are fathers, husbands, and really build upon each other like grow each other and help each other to sharpen you know our our iron bold kind of just it stands out it's like what we do you can't be timid right in what we do is stand as leaders because we are faced with so many different things a lot of times i feel like i have to carefully guard my words at times because i've had people say things in the manner of because of my stature i'm 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 6'2", 265, so I appear large. Mm -hmm. My wife has told me that when I walk into a room, I command the room, like all focus comes to me. And so I've had to do that. I've had a a parent, as a matter of fact, in a a very contentious IEP meeting. Before we had the IEP meeting, we had a a meeting before the IEP meeting because she had some issues, and she called me the night before on the phone, and she was like, I was a little nervous about talking to you and I was, she's like but you're really easy to talk to and you know I told her I was like well you know can you go down and say that to some of my teachers <laughs> because I mean it's the same way it's like my door is always open I am a communicator mm-hmm. what I'm saying is I think sometimes even just the appearance of my statue and even my complexion sometimes uh, will give a I would say false intimidation, but it gives that intimidating factor to some people. And so these guys, you know, just listening to, to them and just how we talk and, then, you know, the things we share. But we have to be bold. We have to still be bold in what we do because as a leader, if you show some of those weaknesses, those things, it's hard for people to follow you. And I, I equate it to being like on a line. You can't be far too far left. People will walk over you. Mm-hmm. You can't be too far right because people won't respect you. So you got to find that line. And I think for us, that's we have to be intentional with that. And so you have to be bold. You, you have to find that boldness. 
Yes, I don't think we have much of a choice with that. Again, as some of my brothers referenced, we're 2% of the workforce, so you have no choice but to stand out when you think of the acronym BOLD and what does BOLD do. When you put bold text in, bold text stands out. So we are bold leaders, and we embrace that. So that's part of why I think our name fits. And I think just thinking about our past experiences and all of the things that have led up to us becoming uh, school leaders, there are ideas and there are uh, things that we implement at our school that are not the norm. I mean, it, they are bold decisions and bold moves. And so um, we, we own that and, and, and we live it. <laughs> and we boldly not only address issues within the school, but outside the school. You know, through a conversation with Marco Polo, Polo we, started talking about, we started talking about mental health through a conversation with Marco Polo. And so we're trying to address those things that are happening here, but outside of our community, to encourage others to boldly stand and boldly address things that need to be addressed, not only in the African-American community, but throughout this world. Uh, mental, we had a mental health uh, workshop a few weeks ago. It was fantastic. And with that, we had folks who would want to participate and in, in join into this, and that's where the Bold Allies piece came in as well. And the thing about this group as well, we uh, make each other better. You know, we're going to laugh, we're going to have fun, but we also are there to encourage each other, and sometimes we may need a push to go in the right direction, and that's what these guys do. They go and push each other to be the best educator, as was mentioned, best leader, best father, best brother that we possibly can be in a boldly fashion. Right. And, you know, looking at that bold uh, acronym, like Pharrell was stating, you know, we have to be bold in our decision-making and in our walk, we're, we're faced with choices every day. We choose from what we're gonna wear, we choose what we're gonna eat, we choose the way in which we go to work. So we make a conscious decision to be bold. It's a choice. I love that. I'm Tom Wilson, Anderson School District 5 Superintendent, and you're listening to iTalks. It's the podcast with illuminating conversations that empower the learners we serve. Mr. Cobb and Mr. Thomas, you guys both hit on this. Mr. Cobb, you mentioned the diversity of the group and how all of you come from different experiences and backgrounds to be able to share those experiences. But Mr. Thomas, you also mentioned the similarities within the group, how these are gentlemen that look just like you. And so looking around, we do have male educators, black male educators, who through their bios, several of you are from the same fraternity, right? (laughs) (laughs) Those are sitting on the right side. Those are sitting on the left hand of the <laughs> we talked about going left real quick, and then so the question in all of that is: This an exclusive group, and why the exclusivity? I think we all look the same, but again, we're all different. All of our backgrounds are different. You know, there are other groups out there who look the same. You know, I don't think they get asked that exclusivity. You know, it's not exclusivity to, to them, but we are, well, I mean, we just look the same, but we all have different backgrounds. And again, like Mr. Cobb said, we all bring different things to the table to um, add to this group and to give out to the world. So even though we may look the same, I think we all, we're all different. If there's somebody who it does look more like me, would they be welcome to join the group? Is this group for them or do they need to find a different group? What we have and what we're, what we're formulating we're formulating bold allies. This group, for us as a group of black male educators, in that sense, it's, it is exclusive. However, we understand 
we're not naive to the point that we need a, everyone. We need everyone's support who's willing to support with us and partner with us. So therefore, we're creating allies, bold allies that will be able to ally with us and partner with us to do this work. When you look at the statistics and you see that 2% of the teaching force are black males, it's a lonely place in our schools. Being in leadership, it's a lonely place as a black male. And this, this collaborative gives us support. It gives us support to come in and face the giants and the demons that we have to face every day. So without always having to explain why we feel the way that we feel, because it's, a, it's a understood. So uh, in that regard, yeah, it is exclusive. However, we are actively seeking and welcoming to bold allies. That That's perfect. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Mr. Qualls, in your school, you place a lot of importance on teacher quality and staff morale to promote student achievement and a positive environment. How do you pour into your staff? First of all, I recognize that serving as a principal is a calling, mm -hmm. like I'm called to do this. And as a result of that, I genuinely and sincerely love my teachers. Um, it's every day, you know, sunshine and rainbows, absolutely not. But at the end of the day, they know that um, I love and I respect and I value them first as a human and then as a teacher. And so uh, Montevideo is a very unique school. We have one of the highest Hispanic populations in the state, a very high uh, newcomer and multilingual uh, population. And so it is not easy. It's very challenging work. And so I am very focused and intentional in making sure that my teachers uh, recognize that I value the work that they do, that I recognize that some of the challenges that they face are not normal or average uh, in most schools. Mm -hmm. And so I think outside of the box and go above and beyond to make sure that they are constantly reminded that I love and respect the work that they do. And so we are a Title I school, mm -hmm. uh, so there is not a huge bucket of money that we're able to pull from to do celebratory things. So we've been very blessed to partner with uh, community and business organizations for years um, that uh, value the work that our staff does. And as a result of that, we're able to be extra in, in <laughs> celebrating their work. And in the last four years, we've, we've experienced significant growth in terms of our student achievement. Uh, when we look statewide, based on the last SC Ready assessment uh, prior to COVID, we were the ranked 30th mm -hmm. of all elementary schools in our state. We are number one in terms of student progress, growing all students and have maintained that for two years and ex rated excellent for two years, the only Title I school in Greenville to uh, earn and maintain that. So it's working, it's working. I think that as leaders, we, we all, especially this year, have been very laser focused on monitoring the well-being of our teachers because it has been not only our teachers but of ourselves as well right. uh, because it has been uh, truly a trying year and you know <laughs> once this year is over we'll be able to reflect back and say you know what we made it not only did we survive but we actually thrived right would any of you like to share what you do to pour into your teachers well i try to follow this dude right here okay <laughs> and i did my first teacher appreciation and it was exhausting <laughs> We, we laugh because we talk, like, like Mr. McCann said, we talk on text or some form of communication throughout the day. And so he goes silent between about 5 and 7, and then he starts liking everything. We say, 
DQs up. Because he's, <laughs> he's had to take a nap. And I now see why he takes a nap. Because yeah. it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. But I, I think one of the things that, because I've known of Damian Qualls for a while, my wife actually was a speech therapist in the school that he worked in. She used to tell me about him all the time. He's like, he wears bow ties like you, and he dresses up all the time. I think one of the things that Damon and I have in common is that we both were in the classroom about the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. We were uh, over a decade in the classroom before we became administrators. Wow. And I think that, too, for me, it made me understand that being a teacher is very difficult, very, very difficult. Before COVID, it was difficult, and after COVID, it's going to be difficult because the amount of things that we push onto our teachers to do this, do this, do that, keep up with this, keep up with that, your data notebook, and all those things that we do. And so for for me, it was one of those things that's like, never forget what it was like Mm -hmm. to be a teacher. And so with that, just the praise and the recognition and all the things that I can do for me, that was my whole deal. I have the three C's and the hashtag culture, community, connections. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was to build that culture in my school to let the teachers know that I love you. I respect you. I'm here for you. And I want to make sure that you understand that. And just like, again, getting into this group and then and hearing and seeing some of the stuff that Damon does, I was like, man, Got it. I, I gotta kind of. I mean, try to emulate that. Is <laughs> again, that's the, that's the thing. I think we want to make sure that our teachers recognize and understand that we value what they do. Like, I don't mind. I like. I go in the classroom. I'll teach all day. I mean, give me. I mean, let me co teach with you. Let me not forget what it's like to be an educator in the classroom because that is where the magic happens. Importantly, and from from my perspective, that belief, that growth mindset, right there, that's bold because mm-hmm. that's not the norm in a lot of in a lot of schools right you spoke to how long you guys were in the classroom i would say for me overall you do not see that when it comes to black male educators that stay in the classroom that long what do you attribute that to pay <laughs> no no seriously i mean it's like as so someone said i mean we're husbands fathers so we have children and things and so it's it's, it's one of those things that you got to look at I, I do think as educators we are paid a decent amount mm-hmm. okay so we only work 190 days out of uh, 365 where there's people who work every single day right. and still are not at the level we are or as far as pay so I mean I don't want to say it's all on pay but I do want to say that if I'm a husband and I'm a father and I want to matriculate into a certain ram of lifestyle mm-hmm. it's that I gotta know it's, I gotta go into administration if I'm an educator mm-hmm. but for me it was really just I coached basketball for a good while and this online school was the best thing could happen for me which I didn't enjoy it at first because I'm a very community person mm-hmm. I like to be around people and so that was very tough for me to do but it allowed me to go to school while I was coaching because I didn't back before you had to go into a classroom and so it was a great thing for me but I made that move after I quit coaching I felt like it was for me it was another thing of me to be able to coach and develop teachers I had a love and passion for coaching and developing teachers as I had a love and passion for coaching basketball players and so uh, but I think for the most part you have people two three years ready to move out of that 
role mm-hmm. and go into an administrative role because they know their pay is going to increase. And so I think that's probably one of the biggest things as far as um, for, for, for black males. For me, uh, the move from the classroom to administration, I was in the classroom for six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the move for me was based off the desire to impact more. Mm-hmm. Um, in your classroom, you can control it, pretty much every dynamic in your classroom. And so working with other teachers in the building, you see lacks and you see things that need to be changed and you see that. And if you really have a passion to see, see our, our kids improve, for me it was something that, that just kind of sprung up in me and was like, if I can, I can impact these 30 in this class every day, imagine what I could do being, being, having a seat at the table or leading a school. So for me it was more so of, the pay is good. I'm not going to lie about the pay. <laughs> but for me, it was that more more on that line of being able to positively impact the masses instead of just my roster of 150 students that I taught. When I started Anderson University, I started as a business major. I was working at the YMCA. I was enjoying working with the kids, playing with the kids. I was like, man, I should change my major so I could play with the kids all day and get paid for it. <laughs> but, then, but I went into education Knowing that you know I was going to be a successful teacher, I, that was I, I was determined with that. But I knew on day one that my goal was to be a principal. And really, based off of the experiences I've had with previous principals, my educators, uh, my principals as a child, like Henry Ader at West High School. I recall when I was, a, I even did teach cadet, changed my mind and went to business in um, college. But I did teach cadet in my senior year. And I told Miss Ader that hey, I wanted to be the principal at West High School. I don't want to do that today, but <laughs> <laughs> not, not because I don't want to be principal at any high school. I mean, Hannah, Westside, whatever. I, I'm good while I'm at. But I sit up and say, I realized the impact that he had on my life, mm-hmm. along with the lives of other folks. And, you know, going into that classroom, I knew I was going to be there for a limited time because I wanted to be a principal. I wanted to be impactful of the lives of as many kids as I possibly could. And I knew doing that from the principal seat uh, would make that objective. I can be able to take care of that object. Yeah. And I can say that too, for me, you taught for about five years. And, you know, I loved all of my students, my classes that I had, had um, and I taught English. But I loved, absolutely loved my mentoring group that I had. I had a group of, of students who would come, and they were all in different grade levels, and they would come to my classroom, and we would have conversations, and we would talk. And, you know, I mentored them. We did field trips. and. I wanted to be able to impact more students, not just in my class. And I said, okay, I've got this, I got 35 kids in this mentoring group. What would happen if I was an assistant principal and I could have more kids that I could actually impact and then been finally the principal? And so that was one of the things that I really wanted to do was talk about the, the love of mentoring and, and, you know, especially those kids that are challenging. Sometimes they get a, um, a rough shake out of life, and you know sometimes they go into these classes, and so the teachers may not understand them. And so I wanted to also be able to impact those teachers as well and teach them, okay, this is how you deal with a student who's who's struggling. They may not be an honor kid, they may not be a GT kid, but they may be a kid that you're gonna have to spend a little bit more time with. And so I wanted to not just impact the students, but also the teachers as well. What is currently going on in the classrooms that teachers are doing that they don't even realize that what they're doing is harming or hindering or making students feel unsafe? So based on, yeah, they, they do. They have them. They, whether they're outright on purpose or subconscious, they're there. So from your experience, 
what can be changed? What can teachers do to be cognizant and to have that laser focus to try and change so that all of their students do feel safe, all of their students do feel seen and heard? I think what Pharrell just uh, mentioned over there, biases, our biases, we have to acknowledge that we all have them. Mm -hmm. And because you have them, it doesn't make you a bad person. Right. Uh, but you have them. Mm -hmm. And address them, acknowledge them, address them, and then begin to see students for who they are. Mm -hmm. They're kids. They are kids. And when I feel like when you begin to see students as kids and we don't adultify kids and see them through the lenses of adults, but we see them through the lenses of a 12, 13, 14-year-old kid or elementary kid, our perspective changes. And one of the things, another thing I, I believe is that we have to have conversations. We have to have hard conversations and uncomfortable conversations sometimes uh, to get to see a, someone else's perspective. You know, that's part of being diverse is being able to see someone else's perspective. I might not agree with you, but at least I, I, I have to be able to acknowledge your perspective uh, to see. And I think that once we as adults and teachers and educators and leaders can do that, we can then begin to see that change in our classroom and it will really impact our students in a positive sense. And I'll say we had that conversation at the end of the school year, talked about cultural biases and what our kids were, were dealing with when, before they came back to school. You know, they had just had a week going through a pandemic. They were watching TV. They were looking at learning about George Floyd and, and just all the racial injustices that were going on. And I, I told my teachers, I said, our kids are coming back to the classroom after all of this. You need to be careful what you say when you when they come into your classroom. Now you may have your own opinions and your own thoughts, but you need to be careful. And we had those conversations about cultural biases and how to address a situation with a student who may come to you upset about it. And one wrong thing that you say could totally change the whole the relationship and everything about that kid. And so we had those tough conversations and, you know, we learned a lot about each other from those conversations. I think one thing that you have to be conscious of is uh, the learning environment that you create and the school environment that you create. One of the things that we take great pride in is there's not an inch of our building that students' cultures, um, their backgrounds are being celebrated and, and duplicated in many instances. Uh, for example, in classroom libraries, you know, if uh, Raheem goes to the reading center and, and looks for a book, is he going to find a book where his image is reflected, where his community thinking is reflected? Mm -hmm. And so we've diversified our classroom libraries. There are, you know, positive images of Hispanic, African American, uh, white leaders throughout our building. In the atrium, we have um, flags, huge flags of every uh, nation that's represented on our campus. Uh, we're even able to diversify our menu, working with our fans department to make sure everybody feels included. Mm -hmm. uh, because when you have such a high Hispanic population, and many of them, as I mentioned earlier, are newcomers, and the experience in which they endured to get here, and some of the sacrifices that they've had to make in terms of leaving a parent mm -hmm. in their native country, um, their modes of transportation to get here, um, if you all can read in between the lines, it's, it's trying. And so our teachers are very focused on learning the whole child and recognizing that there are some uh, physical needs and mental needs that have to be addressed before you can get to content. One of the things that I'm most proud of, my first year of principalship, 
uh, there was a disconnect between what our ESOL teachers were offering and what gen ed teachers needed. Gen ed teachers are saying, you know, they can't tell you that this shirt is green, Mr. Qualls, but the ESOL teachers are trying to teach them about the Transcontinental Railroad. And so we had some very rich conversations about what exactly are the needs of our ESOL department. And from that, we recognized that we needed to come up with a new uh, position that we later called Newcomer Support, where this particular teacher helps with the transition of the student to public schooling, American culture, and those foundational skills that they're going to need in order to be successful moving forward. So that that's what we've been able to do, um, and it's proven to be beneficial. And so that goes back to what Edgar was saying. So that's using your position mm-hmm. of leadership and influence yeah, yeah. to not just your classroom as a classroom teacher, but benefits not just your school, but your community. And so that's 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 the impact. And, and, and so when I said pay was one of the things when earlier, when I, I wouldn't say that for me. <laughs> but, but I wouldn't say that for me. But what I was saying is that I don't think people stay in the classroom long enough right. because of the, the pay situation. That's what I'm saying. That's the intentionality that we yeah. talk about mm-hmm. every single day. We get on a call and we say, be intentional, be bold. Bold is a choice, right? And mm-hmm. so that very aspect is like we're changing lives. Because going back to your question and what you're saying, to have that awareness, for teachers to have that awareness. I remember going back to school the first day of school and, and being from the summer. Talk about your vacation and your mm-hmm. beach. Mm-hmm. I ain't going no vac. We we don't go to I'm beach. I've been going to the beach. Talk about um, your experience going to the library. So those things. So, so we can't portray or even put what we think is our upbringing that every kid has had that experience and then so how does that so you got to even think about your assignments right down to the very thing of what you're assigning your students to do and i think that's what we have to uh, as leaders make sure that our teachers recognize and understand that because for them that's not that's not being harmful right you're not being a teacher who who says that for the kids to do that as an assignment. They're not thinking that's being a harmful thing. They're just not thinking how it affects everybody in the room if you don't have those experiences. Mm-hmm. And so it's just being mindful that mindfulness to understand and to or even looking at your whole landscape of your classroom. One of the most powerful things I did as a teacher, which I didn't do until the latter part of my classroom experience was looking at my students files their folders at the beginning of school before school started right just to see where my kids then you see like the kids have the thick folders <laughs> that there's yeah. like what's going on they've been in 12 schools mm-hmm. in two in three years or just even the transitness of them and just so again it's really having that intentionality to really know what you're doing and knowing your students and get it again bring it brings it back to that yeah. relation piece mm-hmm. yeah and I think you know um, for many teachers we teach from um, a personal experience sometimes so when we're in the classrooms you know we're, we're teaching from our personal experiences and our, our moral compass you know um, so I think we have to set aside some of some of that when we uh, are addressing students because 
Now we're getting families in with two moms and two dads. And, and you know, as an educator, I mean, you can't look bewildered when somebody comes in and says I, that, you know, or a student has to, um, when a student says that, um, you know, I have two moms, or I have two dads. How are you going to handle that? If your um, personal moral compass is something different, but you have to address it from, this is my student. Because your, your first response can make or break them. Absolutely. 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 We still have our morals, but you, you can't subject that on our students. Right. Perspective. You know, perspective. Perspective. Mm -hmm. and perspective. Wow, this conversation is just getting good. I remember recording with Bold and just how rich the conversation was with these gentlemen. These men have supported each other during challenging times, and now they are here to support you, our A5 teachers. Check out part two as we continue our conversation concerning implicit bias, building relationships, and so much more. Thanks for joining us.